Hey friends, you know what I don't miss at all? That vicious week before the period. Feeling like I'm ready to crawl out of my skin, irritated by everything and everyone around me. Bouncing between cravings for salty foods and sweets and back again. Now it's easier to manage PMS with EstroControl from Happy Mammoth. EstroControl contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like the chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a menstruating person's life. And the biggest benefit? Feeling like myself again. That's what people mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Happy Mammoth products, including EstroControl. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code CORP, C-O-R-P, at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code C-O-R-P for 15% off today. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate. Look, every single day, every single day, I wake up and I'm passionate about centering and amplifying black and brown folks at work, right? We go through these seasons where people act like we're so in, we're so needed and precious, and then we go through these seasons where we're just treated disposably, right? We've seen that uh, really heightened since 2020, the murder of George Floyd, and we saw all these pledges and stuff. And we saw all this, all this language and commitments from organizations, but now we're seeing a lot of folks renege on all those commitments and, um, and pledges, right? We're seeing black and brown folks continue to be disparately impacted by massive layoffs in the tech industry. The industry that was, was promoted as the place for black and brown folks to get some equitable treatment and to have some sort of financial security and wealth generation. We're seeing, we're seeing a continual uh, backtracking from the same people that boldly said that black lives matter. Okay. But the good, the, the good news is for me anyway, and for, for, for living corporate is we existed before diversity, equity, and inclusion was hyper in vogue. And we're going to continue to exist as diversity becomes a disgusting cuss word. Right. The good, the other good news I'm going to say is, is that we don't really subscribe to all of that hyper, uh, white liberal jargon that is really what diversity equity inclusion is it's a bunch of different gobbledygook words that don't really mean much that really aren't defined well I'm excited about the fact that we have conversations with executives, activists, elected officials entrepreneurs, influencers artists and every single week dare I say every single day <laughs> we're publishing content that challenges systems structures and people to do right by historically marginalized people. And by historically marginalized, I mean black and brown queer, black and brown trans, black and brown disabled, black and brown men, black and brown women, black and brown non-binary, black and brown first generation, black and brown people, right? The country is going to continue to get blacker and browner. And it's important that our voices continue to be heard. I still believe that the strongest weapon and the biggest gift I have is my voice and living corporate is a megaphone and an amplifier for all things black and brown at work. 
So I'm happy that you're listening. Welcome to the network. We outside, baby. Let's go. Now, look, the next thing you're going to hear, we're going to have, you know what I'm saying, our interview. I'm excited for you to check out this interview. Don't go nowhere. I'm going to see you in a minute. Peace. Living Corporate is brought to you by Rosetta Stone, the most trusted language learning program. It's incredible. Okay, so first off, you didn't know, Rosetta Stone is a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They have fast language acquisition, meaning you're actually going to pick up the language because it's going to provide an immersive experience for you through their program. Speech recognition gives you a trainer for your accent. Convenient, right? You can use it on your computer. You can use it on your phone. Incredible value. Lifetime membership has all languages for any and all trips or language needs in life. That's lifetime access to 25 language courses Rosetta Stone's offers for 50% off. That's a steal, y'all. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a limited time, living corporate listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com backslash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com backslash today, today. Libra Clemens, welcome to the show. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Let's get right to it. Um, I've been trying to have you on for like mad years. I'm trying to figure out what happened, Libra. Like what is it? Did, 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 was there some beef that had to be cleared in the back end? Like what happened? (laughs) No, 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 no. First of all, you're a fantastic. I see what you're doing and I'm super impressed. I always make time. It may not be exactly when you want it, but I'm right on time. You know I, respect it. I respect it. I respect it, Libra. <laughs> <laughs> so, so look, <laughs> no, I'm super thankful and excited about this conversation. I've been like, I put it on my calendar and I took uh, uh, one of my daughter's red crayons and I wrote a big circle on a date. I was like, we're going to meet. Um, listen, there's so many things for us to talk about. I want to start with so many. the fact. I want to start with the fact that you are one of the few. So okay, let's yeah, let's let's have the real conversation. So there's we got DEI space. We have DEI yep. space. And so like I think that, yep. like there's different personas and look, I like personas because I come from org change, uh, transformation and change management. You have to, and then also like mm-hmm. go to market strategy. You have to you have to make personas. It's just a really good way to like just understand whatever landscape you're talking about. So in my mind, like there's, there's personas of like different DEI leaders. So first off, there's like this, like there's this like young inexperienced DEI leader who like is very passionate. They don't actually know what they're doing, but like they're here and they're going to mm-hmm. give it their all and they're going to figure it out. And they kind of just follow the mainstream, whatever. Then like, there's like the older persona of, look, I was in HR for a really long time. Low key. I'm probably about to retire. This is going to kind of be my semi-retirement job as I go off and I do what I got to do. Right. So there's another persona. There's another persona of, yo, like I'm actually like a grassroots activist. I tricked these people into hiring me. They're not really ready right. for me. And, and right. I'm probably going to be, I'm probably going to be out of here in like six months. But while I'm here, I'm shaking stuff up. Right. And, th- right. and, and then there's this persona of like, <laughs> oh my gosh, you are nailing it. You am I wrong? I, 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 I appreciate so you. No, right. I appreciate you. So then, there, but then like, there's just lar- then there's, okay. So I'm, I'm going to do two more. Um, so mm-hmm. then there's like this other persona of like, look, I really, 
I really don't really do DEI. I really just want to get in the mm-hmm. C-suite. This happens to be the only way I can get in. I'm going to keep it cool. I'm going to follow and play along. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm really kind of just here. So, And I'm probably trying to pivot into something else. This is the only way I can get my foot in the door. But I'm here. Don't right. expect me to really do nothing. I'm chilling. That's right. it. Yeah, and you I said, identify within the marginalized group. You know what I mean. And I identify so, the marginalized group. Right. And it, right. And, and, and as and as you say that, then of course there's the, you know, look, I'm white, but I'm white, so I'm a DEI officer. That's a that's a that's a very large persona. Right. <laughs> yeah. But you though, right? You sit in this. You sit in this persona. You sit in this space where. I feel like you straddle like this, these spaces where it's like on the surface, it's you, you fall in, you, you can easily, people who fall into a persona can easily associate themselves or think that you're one of the, Hey, I'm here to look good. We're going to go to this gala. I'm going to make sure that I'm seen. I want to make sure right. I'm quoted. I'm going to stand on, be a panel. I'm yes. going to be on panels. I'm going to panel. Yeah. I really think, I really think immediately, I think, I think that's where people would, would, would place you. Mm-hmm. Right. But what was interesting, though, when you were at Twilio, we're going to talk about that. When you were at Twilio, Mm -hmm. and actually, shout out to Danny. Danny, you got to get back at me. I know you got a lot of stuff going on. Holla at your boy. But anyway, um, Danny pointed me to the the work you were doing around, like, Mm -hmm. real anti-racism. And it was interesting to me because I was like, hmm. And I literally said, hmm. Looking at her profile, I wouldn't have pegged. I would not have pegged her to mm. to do that. Right. And, and when I say when I say that, I mean, frankly, I like create create a space where you might be shortening your runway. Because right. looking at the rest of your profile, I was like, oh well, she could just do what most of these people be doing and probably just kind of max it out and then go off right. and take some other big job at some other big huge mm-hmm. brand and just kind of mm-hmm. be a nice face. I'm curious, yeah. like I'm curious, like what led you to really take such a prominent stance and position with the anti-racism work and try to like incorporate it and institutionalize anti-racism at a tech company, considering that again, from where I'm sitting, you have yeah. other options and ways to really frankly be like a kept corporate person. Cause that's what a lot of these people want to be. They right. really just want to be kept. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why did you do that? I mean, first of all, let me just start, let me match you to where you started because I think that you, all the prototypes you laid out are so real. And I don't think, I don't pass judgment on anyone that falls into that, but those are the camps typically is what you've seen. And what I have seen from my early years in the early 2000s, like 2003, starting as early as that, doing diversity work, I have seen it evolve where we do have those personas and we do have those stereotypes or not stereotypes, but really the prototypes. So I appreciate you calling those out because I think it's also a testament to the industry that people are actually able to fall into those camps. Um, Second of all, I'm kind of like, I'm slightly offended, but humored that I would be the person that would be on a stage because I cannot stand people like that. I, I don't cannot stand it, but it's just like it, DEI is so much more than that. But I don't think it's the person that does it. It's the company that expects it. So I don't push back on the, I, that's why I say I don't pass judgment because some people just have to make ends meet. 
some people try to break in any way that they can. And in order to do that and to have any kind of longevity or credibility, you got to do what the companies want. And 99.9% of the companies want that. They want you to go to galas. They want you to electric slide at events. They want you to be the face. They want you to do panels. They want all of that. Now, does not mean that you're not doing other work underneath, but you know, that is part or this is, was, can be part of the job. So, and I think in my mind, I try to balance that as much as I can. So getting to Twilio and anti-racism, I did not deem nor promote Twilio or not promote, encourage Twilio to become an anti-racist organization. I want to get, I want to make sure that there's timing that people understand the timeline. Mm. One thing I would say, Twilio posted one of the first chief diversity officer roles. And I say one of, because there was another one. And I say chief because it was actually C-suite reporting to the CEO and actually part of the executive team. January, 2020. I want everybody to understand that date. January, 2020. That there was a role for a chief diversity officer to report to Jeff, the CEO, and be part of the executive team. January. We all know what happened in March, 2020. We also know what happened in May. Okay. So I just want there to be some understanding about kind of the trajectory. I'm not saying that there wasn't a, there's tons of backstories and the person that had the job before did an amazing job to push them. And I give her a hundred percent of the credit for actually pushing them to actually create that role. I'm telling a story, Zach. So it will get, I will eventually answer your question because that's what DEI people do. (laughs) Answer the question with most stories, (laughs) but, um, but so March happened, of course, May happened. And then June, every company in America, not every, lots of companies decided what they were going to do and how they were going to respond to um, George Floyd in May. Twilio at the time said, we're going to become an anti-racist organization. Libra Clemens joined Twilio in August, 2020. So understanding the timing I did not, that was not for me. That was not me. I joined, it was a draw, but I was not the one that said, hey, you all should become an anti-racist organization. So it came from this, the executive team. Um, so to get to the to answer your question, I, I say this all the time. Twilio did not know what anti-racism meant. They just thought that it would be, or they had a very, very basic understanding of anti-racism, as most people did at that time. And I think they were like, oh, that's just a good way for us to go. Once we started to uncover and read Ibram Kendi's book um, to fully understand what it means to be an anti-racist, that's when the conversation started to have. We started to have the real conversations about what this means for the company. So let me answer your a couple of your questions. One, I think I've had so many DEI roles. I'm also not a a person that's all about the establishment. I feel very, oh, of course this dog is going crazy. I apologize. (laughs) I am very, very privileged. The one day, the one day. I'm very, very, I feel very privileged that I feel confident in who who I am and what I'm about that 
I don't have much to prove except for knowing what my purpose is in a role and in a job. And that, that comes from years and years of being in the DEI space, almost 20 years. That comes from being a seasoned executive. Um, this isn't my first job. This isn't my first rodeo. But also just comes with just the myriad of experiences that I've had where I recognize that I'm not a mold fitter. Um, and I'm going to do what I can with legally <laughs> within realms to push the envelope to disrupt a system that no longer works for us. And that's, that's my superpower. So I hope that gives you some context into how and why. And then the place was to do it at a place like Twilio that committed, that had the role, the position, and the power to actually drive it with the mindset that it's, it wasn't a by any means necessary. It was, I have nothing to lose. So this is going to work or it doesn't. And if it doesn't work, we'll move on. But at the very least, I know that I will touch the hearts and minds of very many, many people through this transformation that will go off in a network effect and start to evolve and change the industry. So look, I do appreciate the contextualization and the timeline that you're, that you're speaking to. I still, the reason why I still say some of this I knew. So, right. Like I recognize mm -hmm. that it wasn't maybe your whole entire crafting, but the fact of the matter is like, I've seen people fold, right? Hey, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. And then like we look into it, it starts getting a little bit uncomfortable. Or what I can say is it's a little bit more complex. Hey, it's a little bit more nuanced. Frankly, this might be beyond uh, my intellectual bailiwick. So we're going to not, do that we're going to do something different the right. fact of the matter is is like when i look at your when i looked at the uh, the twilio's re uh, the report right mm -hmm. that that you were prominently featured on and were uh, and that and authored and were like speaking mm -hmm. to and promoting it was like dang like this, this person's really going full tilt with this i'm curious like did you have people other leaders um, mm -hmm. behind the scenes, other DEI leaders, officers, et cetera, like hit you up kind of like, Hey, what are you doing? Or, Hey, like, were they nervous yeah. for you? Like, I'm curious, like what, what was that? Yeah. Like? Oh yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And again, I goes back to the point where I had nothing to lose. I've been in the game for so long. I know my worth. I know, I, I know what I know about DEI. You either take me or leave me. So right. you have to go in there. It takes a certain type of person to go in and be like, fine, if this is how you're going to respond, but I'm going to, I'm going to do my job. And this is how, this is what we're committed to. The other thing, and I'm going to get back to the other chief diversity officers, the role had to be right. And the company had to be the right. And the timing, it's all about the timing. Had George Floyd not happened, had the role not been listed before George Floyd, see what I mean? It was right. And if the role did not report to the CEO, if the role had not been part of the executive team at a time where the company was flourishing, this right. would have been a little different. So I think that they're all the, the stars were aligned, Zach, to be honest. Um, and I think that's also helpful. I had people who were my closest friends be like, you're brave. It's kind of like when I... Um, I remember the same sentiment when I actually grew out my relaxer. Somebody was, I had my girls kind of like, girl, you brave. Oh my God. Why are you doing this? Oh no. What does that mean? But it was like, I had one of those, you are so brave. Oh my God. I can't believe it. And it wasn't, I don't know that I had people that were like, no way you should not, but it was more of, oh my, I cannot believe 
I'm in awe. I'm going to sit behind you. I'm here for you, but I'm going to watch you do it because I, I, will, I will not and could not be the first person to put your, myself out there. So it took a lot of, again, experience, confidence, and just this, you know, this understanding that if this doesn't work, I would have disrupted something, but I know I can find something else. So, you know, yeah. so there's something, there's something to be said also though, like about, I don't know, like there's people like, like we, so I get frustrated. I mean, honestly, like living corporate was born out of frustration of like the lack of frank and honest conversations within, um, from marginalized experiences and perspectives and work. Um, and so there's part of me, Libra, where I'm like, I get annoyed, right? So like, I'm like, so like just now when you just said, man, you're so brave and I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a stand behind you, but I'm rooting you on, but I can't do that. It's kind of like <clears throat> some of this, I, I, like now what I'm about to say, I fully own some of it. Libra might be because yeah. I'm young ish. Okay. But right, I look at people, right. they'd be like in their forties and fifties scared still. And I'm just like, what yeah. are you afraid of? Like you're going to die one day. Like you, like, what is it? Yeah. What do you think is going to actually happen? So like, let's say you go out there, you say, Hey, I believe, I believe in anti-racism or I believe systems and, and structure need to be reimagined, transformed, blah, 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 blah. Like, do you think that somebody's going to pick up a phone call and you're never going to work again? You're going home. You're going to be homeless and shaking the can yes. on the street. Yes. Yes. Well, no, no. People do go through extremes. So everybody assumes that that's just this, um, what's it? Um, the scarcity model that you do yeah. one thing and all of a sudden you're going to be homeless with a needle in your arm. I don't know where people get that from, but they they think that one mistake will end them up on the streets of San Francisco. Um, yeah. And I'm pretty sure all those people that live in San Francisco did not just make that one mistake, and that's why they're on there. There's a myriad of other things that happen. Right. But when you've been taught, especially when you've – and I've learned this with people, like part of DEI and being a HR person, which are pretty much the same thing, is understand how people are wired and where they came from. Yeah. There are people – this is their first entree into corporate America. This is their first time making X amount of money. They are the breadwinners. They are the, you know, they are the sole, you know, um, provider for their family and other extended families. Any mistake could end you not with a needle in your arm, but back to where you were. And so you have to understand people and especially marginalized communities, communities. We all, we come in all shapes and sizes and experiences and backgrounds. And I think we're in now a different generation where many of us are not the first, some are, but you have to understand and meet people where they are in their comfort level. So it doesn't mean that they don't care, but there are people that are not willing to disrupt their monthly check. And I... And the thing is, I think what's so hardening, I'm saying this out loud, I'm probably never said this. I'm saying this out loud, although I've thought it. I've been very privileged, not that I am rich, um, not that my parents have all this money, but I've been in a pretty good situation where I feel like I have faith and a bit of a faith safety net that I can mm. be like, fine. Like, I'm not working now. I'm fine. I'll, I, I know me. I leave will always land and I always bounce back higher. So, but not everybody has that a experience B that faith or C just any kind of safety net. They could be one, two paychecks away from having to move in with parents, having to disrupt their lives. And also we don't have kids. 
So it's just different decisions that people make. And I don't begrudge them, nor do I make, make comments or make statements about that. I think that there's a role that everyone can play because you do need the people that are going to maintain the basics at Campbell's Soup. I'm just making up the company. I'm not saying that someone at Campbell's Soup is great, isn't doing DEI. You need those people that do basics because some yeah. of those basics keep people going. I do have problems with DEI folks um, and team members who are joining a team for all the wrong reasons hmm. and it disrupts the energy and the effectiveness of a team and i've experienced that on so many levels that i have more of a problem with than people that are like yeah i can't get down with this because well, tell me everybody more. has a reason for that well i just think that you know i've worked in so many teams i've worked with so many people i have worked with so many amazing people who recognize their need and want to be part of a DEI system. Mm -hmm. And then there are those people that do it for just their, their, uh, to fill a certain gap or a need that cannot necessarily be met mm -hmm. <laughs> on a DEI team or a corporate team. So I do think there are people in the world, in the workplace that come to work and bring their issues to work. And um, I think they join a DEI team or an HR team or any team to fulfill a need. And, and that's somewhat okay. But where I think we've gone wrong, this is not a DEI thing. A, it's a corporate or workplace thing is the workplace is not a therapy session. It is not your home life. It is not an extension of your dorm life. And so what I think has been a huge disservice to the culture of a workplace are these anti-corporate i.e. tech and other companies which i love and am a product of and i support um but that we've become an extended home or extended therapy or extended life for people and they come to work and act out all their issues and challenges in the workplace and that is destroying the culture. It's destroying the culture of a company, which ultimately can and will destroy a company. And so that's what I mean. And I think oftentimes it's hard when marginalized people come and it's hard for them. So we're already having challenging discussions for people from marginalized communities who have to work day to day in a majority situation. And I say majority in a different, in a way to denote those that are in power, not mm distribution or representation mm. but i do find that at times people come and it's very disruptive to the work and i have problems with that not that because we all have issues i'm I've, I've been i haven't been the best manager all the time but i i know when i do the right thing do you understand right. what i'm saying and i try I do. to do the right thing for people and i think people often come to work and on a dei team or hr team to kind of relive some of their unresolved issues and don't do the right things. And that's where I have more of a problem with that than people that are like, yo girl, I can't help you on this. Like, cause that's my path. That's my ministry. Other people's ministry might be something else. This podcast living corporate. It's brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all in one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, 
Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with the audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place on your terms. Let me tell you something. Y'all might not know this, but Living Corporate, we started our whole journey on Squarespace. My website, ZacharyNunn.com, it's on Squarespace. I can't tell you how much I appreciate its fluid engine, the ability to create world-class templates and design. It's very intuitive, incredible. We have custom merch through our Squarespace. We have an incredible asset library, so I can always mix it up, switch and swap. It's super dope. And the fact that you can host all types of content, video, audio, all types of media, you can put all on your Squarespace. I can't recommend it enough. If you want to learn more about Squarespace, check out squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that's squarespace.com backslash corporate to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You know, it's so so interesting. I I think what's, so we're in this, um, we're in this, um, the stage of our uh, economy, like hyper late stage capitalist society, right? Like Mm -hmm. where, where like we're seeing wages stagnate or frankly kind of crawl, even like at like, you know, like some of the higher levels, right? Like I talk to black black folks all the time, specifically and mm-hmm. brown folks more broadly mm-hmm. about these roles. You know, sometimes they're making like 140, 160, somebody making like two something. But, you know, mm-hmm. the range has kind of been what it's been from what I have, to- from people I've talked to, like the past like seven, eight years. And so mm-hmm. like, so even though like wages have been fairly stagnant, expectations of production continue to increase. And so part of me, I believe Libra is, this whole idea of like bringing your whole self to work and there really being mm-hmm. no balance or boundary and really there being more of this like blend almost where it's like, we'll just be just kind of like exist and just always be working all the time is really a consequence of like where we are economically. Like, and I'm not an economist. I'm just saying like, I think there's, mm-hmm. I do, I do think that there's this push to really have a work-life blend so that you can continue to make produce for these organizations at a rate and a clip that you just weren't doing that in like the nineties. So I've been told. So like, right. So like, so I agree with you that it's like, okay, there should be clear boundaries and it's destroying. Mm -hmm. It's really harming company culture. At the same time, the underlying culture and pressure of production, I believe creates it's like they they seem um what's the word they seem at odds right like if you really yep. want true work life balance and boundary then that means you're going to have less production which means so like are you willing to have less production big corporation or do you really want people working all the time and having unhealthy balances which means that they're probably going to have less time and capacity to actually handle like unresolved trauma and things that are happening in their personal lives because all they do is work right. all the time am no, i being unfair and listen i I think you are, I think you're spot on. I think you're spot on. And I agree to you to some extent. So yes, there are some industries now in the nineties. Now you have to understand. Now I want to disagree on the piece that there people worked hard in the nineties and the early two thousands harder. There was no iPhone or iPad or anything. There was no technology. So you actually had to go into the office and leave the office. But there was respect and, and 
they had less resources, not even resources. They weren't offering free coaching and free massages and lunches. You got a ride home and you got a bonus. <laughs> and I'm talking about extreme banking. And if you were like on the trading floor, you right. understood the rules when you walked in the door, but you never cursed out your boss. You never started crying because we removed the book allowance from your company. Like it was just like, that's what you knew you were doing in the nineties. <laughs> and you know, and yes, I'm not saying the 90s was great because it wasn't great for women that decided they wanted to, you know, they wanted to have children. There was no plan to re-enter them back into the workplace. So we've come a long way, but we've gone backwards in terms of um, respect and expectations. So I, to some extent, I, I agree with you in that people are working hard. I don't necessarily, yes, and some of these salaries have been, They've been consistent, but let me tell you, some of these tech companies and higher paying companies, people make a lot of money. They make a lot of money. They make a lot of money at a young age. And so nowadays companies have unlimited PTO. I remember working in banking. You got two weeks off. That was your vacation, not unlimited. You couldn't go to like work from... Italy for the month of August. That was none of that was happening. So I'm yeah. not saying that just because we're that new companies these days and, and once two to three companies start that everyone's matching. So I'm not saying companies these days don't have high expectations. I'm not saying that companies aren't expecting outputs. But what I am saying is there's a lot more accommodation these days. And I do believe that there's a lot more accommodations for mental health. I mean, I am on a Slack channel today about what is happening in the Gaza Strip uh, with other heads of DEI and the statements and this, that, and the other. And I mean, whatever your political views are, the fact is nobody at any company is happy with the statement that the company put out. Oh, in the nineties, I'm telling, I mean, they blew up an entire building and I lived in New, in New York. There was no statement. Like there was like, yeah. it's yeah. just like, so the levels of expectations um, are different. And as leaders, we own that. We have created that expectation, but I feel like we've got to figure out how to manage it from a culture perspective. So yeah. in this yeah. push to get more DEI, we've made it easier for everybody else, which is wonderful and I do think that there needs to be a better work environment, 100%. I am a true fan of remote remote work when it makes sense. I am a true fan of offering any type of support, mental health support for any type of fertility, anything like that. I am a huge fan of that. I am a huge fan of unlimited PTO. I am not a fan of tantrums in the office, cursing out your boss, and being completely disrespectful to people who manage you. So that, and somehow those have all come together. So, and see, that's where we have to have, you have to have come back and see, I ain't thinking about nothing like that. I'm, I've never seen that before. So that's, that sounds crazy to me. Mm-hmm. You talk about people cussing out their bosses. I mean, now I will say this though. I'll leave it one time. I paid off my first house and I didn't have no debt nowhere in my life. I did cuss with my boss. I did not cuss them out, but I let them know. Right. Hey, yo, I ain't really got to be here, you know? So, but, but larger scale, I got it. (laughs) But larger scale, larger scale though, hundred percent receive. Yeah, no, that's, that's ridiculous. You know, it's interesting. Let's talk a little bit about like the, this, like DEI. Mm -hmm. Now, like, you know, you and I having this conversation in Q4 
of 2023. Um, mm-hmm. So here's my thing. I clocked this back in like 2021 that DEI about to be gone. So like by 20, like 25, (laughs) 2025, (laughs) it ain't going to be no more DEI. It's going to be people strategy and there'll be like employee experience with like, with like, you know, double and triple clicks for, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever you got going on. Um, I'm curious, like, you know, you just talked about the Slack channel with all these DEI leaders. I'd love to be a mm-hmm. fly on that wall, to be honest, because... Uh, Everybody does. I'm like, I'm going to start charging people who want to just pop charge. into our Slack you gotta, channel. You got you you to charge. Give them, a, give them like a day space. pass. Right. Yeah, <laughs> give them a day pass. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. real talk, though. And so, like, my thing is, I'm curious, as you talk to your network and, and you know, of specifically DEI, IDE, Jedi, IND... Mm-hmm. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Awesome. Yeah. All, mm-hmm. What? What is? Whatever. What? <laughs> what is the? What is? What is? What is y'all's? What is y'all's perspectives on like just like on this space between now and like the installation of the next president? So, a couple things. One is you have, you started the the podcast talking about the different types of folks that are in DEI. Well, those different types of folks are all in the Slack channel. So their their idea of it might be different. I'm in the mind. I've also been in the space for a long time. So for example, you know, I heard when Barack Obama became president, there was going to be no more need for DEI. So companies were quickly like, we're getting rid of it. And then it started up again. You know, the same thing after the crash, from the same time around the crash of the market, after September 11th, oh, we all need to be in harmony. We're a global com- country, like our global world. We don't need DEI. It's the ebbs and flows. You know, the reality is, is that you're going to need some form of it. I don't care what you call it. You're going to need some form of activism and promoting of equitable experiences for all people. No matter what, because the reality is, if you look at the top, you know, I was talking to someone earlier and they were like, yeah, we're really so, so, so committed to diversity. And I was like, really? They were like, yeah, representation is key. You know, the thing I was like, okay, I went on their board. Um, I went on the website and I saw their board and I was like, I'm really confused. Again, this is just visible. So maybe right. I made some assumptions, but what I can assume is that that is not diversity. And if you really care, you start at the board, you start at the top. So I don't see a world where we're not going to have somebody calling that out and making those decisions and thinking about how to shift um, systems and processes to be more equitable that are in support of marginalized communities. But I, it could be called something else. So for example, you had a great conversation who with someone who I absolutely adore and think he is absolutely fantastic is Danny. Danny Guillory was riding the DEI wave for as long as I was, and now he's a chief people officer. What you were going to you what you could potentially see, and I've seen this before, are DEI people who've been in the space for a long time, who have at that C-suite level transition into chief people officer roles and just doing the same thing using a different lens and doing it through the systems and processes on the people end from a people strategy perspective. And I think that's where I could potentially see it, but I don't know that this movement is going to disappear. 
it just we just probably call it something else or you figure out how to do it in different ways but it's still happening it will it has to because the world needs it yeah you know i mean it's interesting right so you know living corporate we made this decision to we being my family but also the team for me to jump and focus on living corporate full time this past July, this summer. And just mm-hmm. even in light of this landscape, right? And part of the calculus was irrespective of like what the big political talking heads are saying, and irrespective even of what like maybe certain like political groups or like lobbyists or even like judicial groups are trying to force and and uh and create or whatever is Talent strategy will always be important. Brand and trust yep. equity will always be important. And frankly, these Gen Zers aren't going nowhere. So yeah. this there's going to always be some level of expectation. I mean, honestly, kind of going back to what you said about, look, yes, a lot of these young people out here uh, cussing out their bosses and going on mm-hmm. Twitter, airing them out on TikTok and stuff like that. But with that, they're also dr- like drastically pushing like workforce expectations and labor expectations in a certain way. Now is all of that no push doubt. is all of that push good or like or productive or meaningful? Not all of it is, but like that's okay. Like even if yeah. even if you even if you have like when you think about change, like even you think about like like um like the civil rights movement, the Civil Rights Act, the first I like I I believe that the law initially was called the Black Rights Act and it had way mm-hmm. more things and demands in that bill mm-hmm. and then it then it scaled back so like that's just how change happens like if there's some there's there's pushes that feel extreme and then you scale mm-hmm. it back but with that you're still taking steps forward so like i think my my next question to you is you know what we're looking we're looking at right now we're seeing walkouts happening all over the place we're looking at people mm-hmm. especially um, especially libra still just becomes more and more expensive i mean shoot i want to say i tried to buy some bologna last week and it was like three dollars. I said three dollars for some bologna. And so we're seeing we're seeing like we're seeing the workforce continuous like continually grown at and like call out like just the ridiculous inequity um, of these spaces. And we're seeing. I mean, how about California taxes? I mean, let's see, I can't I can't relate there. to y'all. I have I have no I look I'm like straight up. It's so funny you say that because I talk to people. And I know people who making money out there, right? So it's like mm-hmm. I've met people out there who are like who are chief diversity officers making like I don't know like mm-hmm. three, four, five hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars base, right? But I literally mm-hmm. don't even know how to qualify, like how to even qualify if that's a lot of money or not, because y'all's taxes are so crazy and houses are so yeah. expensive. So it's like, well, right. is that a lot of money in Texas? That would be crazy. Like you'd be a king out here, but yeah, right. but in California, I'm just like, how? What is that? It's hard. And that's what I think people have to understand. This is why this equity work is so important. So I lived in California. I just relocated to Florida last year. My parents live here. You know, we're East Coast people. But I I relocated to California for five years and I loved it. I loved California. Well, where I was um, for different reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. But those taxes no matter, you know, and yes, you might be in it. And I, listen, it's a very privileged conversation to have about my compensation, which was great. Um, and I was able to do what I needed to do. But the taxes 
are significant. And so when you think about just this DEI work and talking about ERGs and being on a stage, but you haven't addressed the inequities to which a lot of these companies are based in California, marginalized people probably cannot afford to live there if they have all the things that we typically come with, parents, debt, this, that, and the other, didn't, you know, didn't grow up having people pay for everything so they could just take their salary and move forward. Some of them are breadwinners, like we talked about before. So Mm -hmm. how do you make ends meet in California? And then you've got companies mandating people to come back to the office and to live and breathe and pay taxes in a state that has not historically been great to them. I mean, I'm not saying that every state is good, but I'm just saying like, I just, those are the types of things that you need the Gen Zers that are activists. You need that and you need whatever you want to call DEI to continue to get founders and CEOs and others to really can reconsider some of those decisions when it comes to how it impacts marginalized people. So it made, it was hard. It was hard. And I, and again, I'm very privileged. So I'm speaking, I call my privilege all day uh, in terms of my salary and the, in the, and we don't have children. So I understand that. So it was okay, but it was much better, you know, leaving the state as well. So there's just those types of, when I think about anti-racism, it goes beyond just reading in, reading Abram Kennedy's book and writing and incorporating anti-racism into things that we say. It becomes a decision-making mechanism to right. ensure that everybody has the similar experiences as much as they can and opportunities to succeed financially as others. And when you make a decision for everybody to move to California, and now I'm just saying, not every decision is that haphazard. And there are people that need to be in the office. And I get that. I'm not begrudging that. I think it's a great decision. But when it's driven by this need for control based right. versus understanding culture and experience, mm-hmm. that is the opposite of anti-racist which even candy says it's just racist and it's like and 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 not in a negative racist way so i don't want anybody to be like oh she called people racist send her a letter no that's not what i'm saying but in the formal sense of the 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 vote the um description or the 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 definition of racist it's not that you haven't you've made a decision that only benefits a small percentage of people and those are the so, people that are in power. So, so you said something there. I, I'm going to, I'm going to make a statement and then I'm going to follow up my really like my last real question, I think here, for this mm-hmm. conversation, because I still want us to connect after this call. Uh, so mm-hmm. my challenge with like the concept or notion of anti, first of all, of course, I, I agree with the, the idea of anti-racism and mm-hmm. Ibram Kendi is not the first person to talk about anti-racism. I mean, shoot, he's standing on the shoulders, of all these black women. Audrey Lord. Oh, that's no, no doubt. Him, yeah. Right. So like we know that you know that, but I'm saying sometimes we have mm-hmm. some aspirational allies who listen and they don't know that. So I'm just letting mm-hmm. y'all know uh, mm-hmm. that this conceptually has been around for a while. My, my challenge when it comes to like incorporating or like really DEI as a equity as a space or DEI as a space, but certainly anti-racism as a concept in a corporate context is so much of being anti-racist, like not being not racist, but being mm-hmm. anti-racist has to do with it's the mobilization of 
levers for justice, righting past yep. wrongs and harms. That part right there, corporations, that's like the equivalent of reparation, like corporate reparations, right? So like, I'll give you an example. I worked at a, a very large consulting firm years ago. And I was told, Zach, you're too focused on DEI. And because you're so focused on DEI, you might not have a place at this company, at this firm. And I said, okay, uh, that's crazy. You sound nuts. Um, I went on uh, mental health leave. Then I went on paternity leave. Just so happened, George mm-hmm. Floyd was murdered. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I come back. Um, now, before I went on leave, all of my performance stuff was high. All of my rankings were high. Like, everything was good. Yeah. I left right before they did career roundtables and they determined your next salary band. Yeah. They mm-hmm. made a decision to keep me at my last salary band. Now, mm-hmm. at the time, it was like the difference of like 130 something and 140-something. So, was it a groundbreaking mm-hmm. amount of money? No, it wasn't. However, every dollar count, whatever. So, when I went back to HR and I said, hey, why did y'all make this decision? They came back to me and said, it was a mistake. I said, cool. So, when are y'all going to put me in the right salary band? And (laughs) when are y'all going to give me my back pay for all these months of pay that should have been at the previous salary band? They were like, whoa. You would have thought I asked for back pay for my my salary band and asked to be moved to a salary band, Libra. They were like, well, they right. had no idea how to, how to, and so my, my, my issue is, is that I, I don't think organizations are willing to, or really have like one, have the intellectual capacity, the emotional capacity or the strategic capacity to right wrongs committed against employees in a way that is scalable and sustainable. And that squares with this scarcity mindset mindset yeah and capitalist hyper capitalist con and patriarchal context that they've been raised to mm-hmm. raised to understand is right now look i'm not i'm not even asking you to say nothing okay i'm saying all that to ask you this question what happened at, at twilio so you were there <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. that's not what i was actually going to talk about <laughs> So let me just address a couple things. One is, I, I think for my, I agree with you. There's all kind. I'm with the Spellman. So I know the background and the background. My parents are like very active, like in civil rights. Like, yes, I get it. The, the, the concept of anti-racism isn't new. We just put a, we coined a term and finally had people focused on it. So yes. I would say, and Ibram Kendi, the timing was right. He wrote the book in 2019. Ha He was, you know, things just happened for him. Um, I also believe that anti-racism to me isn't necessary. It could it be righting the wrongs. It could be. But corporations aren't going to do that. They're not going to right wrongs. They're going to try to go forward with their decisions. What makes this work hard is what I said earlier. People, mm. some, most people in power and this is what I have true issues with um, a lot of folks. And I don't know how to describe that. But anyway, most people are willing to donate money, are willing to say the right words, are willing to understand 
basic things and hair and pronouns and learn different languages to connect with marginalized folks. Mm -hmm. But what really most people are not willing to do is change their behavior to make different decisions so that they can actually go without so others can actually get the same. That's That's the difference. And that right there is the problem. And so I think I've answered the question that you asked, but I feel, and that's, and that to me is a hard thing to ask people to do, but I also think it's part of evolving into being a good leader and a true leader. The other thing I would say that Ibram Kendi says um, that I think a lot of us struggled with is you cannot, it's kind of like you cannot serve God and money. He says you cannot be anti-racist and be a capitalist. And so corporations and corporate America has been built off of racist policies and racist values. So trying to build an anti-racist organization is kind of like an oxymoron. And so that's where I think people struggle with. It's because in order for a founder or a company or any CEO to have gotten where they've gotten to knowing that 99, 98% of them are white. And I would, I don't know what the other percentages, I'm sure it's probably 85% of them are males. You've done this through whatever the privilege you've had. I'm not saying that just because you're a white or male or a woman that you didn't have problems and you didn't grow up with much. But when you are, deemed as powerful based off of your race and your gender combination, it leads you to have better opportunities. Not saying everybody does. And so those powers and the power that you have now, the decisions that were made in order to that made you successful, why would you go back and try to shift how decisions are being made? Because in the end, what you don't want is to go without. And that's unfortunately why we're in this very, very highly politicized environment right now, because people are feeling that. Um, It's not called wokeness. I don't care what it is. It's, oh my God, you want me now to give up riding in first class so that all of us can work ride first class? Um, Being in first class, part of the, the appeal is that I am in first class and you're in coach. You know what I mean? So Real talk. that's yes. the thing. And so I think that I hope that that is also a very diplomatic way of answering the question. I have, I think things happen. I think there's a timing issue where the, where a company, especially companies vowed to make these commitments in 2020. And it was amazing knowing that there wasn't going to have, you know, that in two to three years, that right. wasn't going to be the case to answer part of your question the other part of the question is i have nothing to lose so either take it or not like i'm not backing off i'm either in or not and i'm okay you don't have to worry about me you know like i do what i do um and so either we're in or we're out that's another part of the question i think that people get afraid i think when your money is being um not everybody the market is really tough and i think that when your bottom line is being scrutinized, any added, um, com- any added initiative that will further scrutinize the bottom line also 
will create more problems. So I hope that's starting to answer your question. So it, there's a it, combination no, it, of it things. It does. Yeah. It does. Yeah. You know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, so the one thing I like, one of the several things I like about you, Libra, is, so I've had somebody, um, uh, older friend of my life say, Zach, you're not confrontational, but you kind of have this like, you ain't going to beat my ass type energy. And right. I was like, and, and I said, I said, I mean, yeah, I guess. But you're one of the mm-hmm. few people I met who really match that. Like, you really ain't really tripping. And so, like, it's 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 encouraging and it is affirming to meet somebody who's, like, very clear in who they are and what they're about and confident enough to, like, live and walk in their purpose without having trying to apologize for it. So shout out to you for that. Um, and with that, I have my last, my real last question. <laughs> with all that being said, um, and with your very diplomatic answer, thank you for answering my question, is mm-hmm. what do you say, what would you say to the DEI leader, uh, head of whatever at insert organization here, who who hailed your work, the anti-racist report, mm-hmm. and the work you were doing at Twilio, and now see you no longer at Twilio and go, see, this is why I need to not do that and cater to right. the feelings of the power majority. Yeah, that's about 95% of the people like, well, girl, if you can't do it, you know. And listen, there's always the first. There's always somebody. I I mean, DEI was not born out of a bunch of people that came together and was like, let's all do this together. It's going to be really challenging. There was one person that started this movement 40, 50 years ago that kept getting slapped down. And other people were picking up the pieces to create a movement. That's what a movement is. And so there are people that are have a growth mindset and folks that don't and that have a scarcity mindset. The folks that have a growth mindset that are like, I'm good. And they, they adhere to a higher being and understand faith and know that they are chosen and walk into their purpose. Those are the ones that will continue, whatever it is, because I came after that. And there are people who will ultimately get on the boat, but I don't, and that's okay. Like there are people that are like, I can't do that. And again, we talked about that earlier. They cannot afford to miss a check. They cannot afford that. Nor can their, their emotion, where they are emotionally, they can't afford that. I'm going to say that also this, if Twilio had come to me eight years ago, I would be one of those people. So you just don't know. I mean, I'm just where I, the, all these things line up for a reason. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're seeing that there are a lot of people that say that to me. They were like, that's why we don't do this. And that's why, and those people are fantastic leaders who do what they do because they keep the boat afloat, but you gotta need, you gotta have folks that are going to take that boat to that next wave. And it's only a few of us. And you know it when you are it and just, just step up and do it. And I just don't believe it's for everybody to be quite honest. I don't. Libra. Look, so, I to- yeah. look, listen, you are a friend of the show. I'm looking, I'm already speaking when you're going to come back uh, before the end of uh, Q2 <laughs> next year, but just know you're welcome to come back anytime. I'm excited about what you got going yeah. on. We're here to support. And uh, man, I just love, I, you know, it's just, I love matching energy. I love when you meet folks. It's like, you know, you can just tell it's like, it's energy syncopation. It's energy yeah. synergy. I love it. I love it. So yeah. uh, y'all before, uh, look, it's been uh, Libra Clemens, uh, 
executive leader, coach, speaker, uh, consultant. The, uh, Can I say this on. really quickly, though? Give Can I say me. this really quickly, though? Yeah. I don't want people to think that, like, I, why I appreciate all the accolades. This is self work. Like, I have been working on self. Like, the end of every relationship in the workplace or personal is hard for me. It It is hard for me. Um, I, you know, and while I may have a, oh, I'll be fine. It was hard. And I just want people to understand that I've also made mistakes and I've also done things that weren't so great. So I just want people to know that there's the, there's a very human approach to this. And my feelings got hurt. I was upset. I felt betrayed. I felt this, I may have betrayed, but I just want people to understand that this is also hard work and you have to continue to work on self in the midst of it. Otherwise, you won't be able to steer to that next wave. So I just, I think that's super important. I don't want people to be like, oh my God, she's this, she's great, she's that. Oh, the stuff I've been through, we've all, I got war wounds all up and through. And and I receive <laughs> that. I receive that. And I'm going I'm to I'm give you the last word. I, I, I still want to give you your flowers because plenty of people go through traumas. Plenty of people go through heartbreak and disappointments and betrayals. And, every, and every, we all don't do the self-work to process and then leverage that to then to grow and mature right so yeah uh, receive libra look we can keep on going i'm gonna respect your time we're gonna get up out of here uh <laughs> we'll talk to you soon okay and we're back yo thank you so much for rocking with us at living corporate so excited uh make sure that you check out the links in the show notes to learn more about living corporate if ain't nobody else tell you today, I'm going to tell you right now, I love you. You matter. Take care of yourself. Later. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.